me. I don't I don't know the notes about the I have a lot of stats that I'll share with you, but I don't have those memorized. But I, um so I talked a little bit about the law center. I'll also talk about what's the major cause of homelessness. Now I bet you all know the, the answer to that question. I know you've had a series of a few different people um, that have spoken about homelessness, and um, you might have some thoughts about what's the major cause of homelessness. Does anyone want to guess or the state? Because I know you're a smart people. small percentage, but there is 
there's more of that where people are treating it visibly. Um, federal low-income housing programs were cut by 50% since 1980. Only one in four eligible households receive assistance, and 2.5 million children are homeless. That's a huge number, 2.5 million. So I'm going to talk today quite a bit about the criminalization of homelessness. It's only one of the areas of work that the Law Center does. I talked about civil rights, youth and education rights, and housing rights are the main areas that we focus on. So civil rights or the criminalization of homelessness, I'm talking about a lot today because we're doing a big campaign that's coming up. So I'm going to focus a little bit about that today. So we did a report. Um, we're known. The Law Center studies different issues and then reports on them, and we reported on the criminalization of homelessness. And our last report um, showed an increase in a ban on camping in public citywide programs. So the criminalization of homelessness is basically somebody is arrested just for doing life-sustaining um, activities in public. So if they're sleeping or camping, that's considered illegal and they can be arrested for it in many jurisdictions. In fact, we won a case um, for feeding people that were homeless in public. They said that it was illegal in Texas to feed people. It was a faith-based group. And, they, and um, we actually won that case because people have a right to feed people in public. So these are some of the kind of things that the Law Center does, and these are the criminalization of activities around so sleeping, lying. Um, so then there was a 35% increase from 2011 to 2013 in loitering um, and vagrancy. And then there was a 25% increase ban on, on begging for asking for money in public. And then um, there was no ban on sleeping in, in public citywide. And you know when you when you think about um, these issues, and I'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, you know, it's basically there's not enough shelter in many places. So here people are saying it's illegal to sleep here on the street, but yet there's no place else for them to go. And when they're arrested, when people are arrested, so it, they get arrested just for being in public and sleeping. So someone might say, I'm going to write you a ticket. If you don't move along, I'm going to write you a ticket for sleeping here. And so um, they write a ticket. You know, maybe the person doesn't move along. They have no place else to go. And then they, that ticket, then they don't have the money to pay that ticket. So then they get a benchwood. And then um, they're caught sleeping in public again. And then they get arrested and go to jail. So um, I mentioned a 60% increase in citywide bans. And camping is broadly defined. So they're saying no camping in public, but it just means sleeping outside. But I think for 
one, they say, this is making me uncomfortable. There's so much leakage. Right? So what do you do? Do you make it illegal or do you provide some place to keep it? So, you know, um, that's been a big case is like studying what's going on. Is the city providing adequate um, places for people to live? You know, and this is at the local level now. You know, so that's really, I think, a big driver is, for, is, is small businesses, people that are uncomfortable with change. Maybe a related question is, are there any statistics on the percentage of incarcerated people who started as inmates? What's mm. the population of homelessness mm -hmm. that's still there? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know the answer. I, if you if you write if we write it down later, I could probably find the answer out for you. But I will talk a little bit. Let me. Um, I'll keep going, and we'll have time for questions at the end. How? What time does this end? But um, one thing that happens a lot is weeks of homeless encampments. So, and I think um, there was recently something about this. People that have no place to, to live will set up camping. You maybe you even see it sometimes in places downtown DC. I've seen it before. People set up tents. And so what happens is people say, this is illegal, you cannot camp here. And they do what's called a sweep of this homeless encampment. So they when people lose their belongings, which is a big thing that happens a lot of times. People you know, lose their driver's license, medical, you know, um, inhalers and, and medicine that they need, you know, because they're in these belongings and all those things get thrown away. If you don't move, all of your things will be thrown away. You'll lose all your things. People are exposed to the elements. There's loss of community when they sleep in these encampments. Um, so I talked about this was very at the local level. So there's a lot of these laws that are happening at level, but the federal government, the Department of Justice, we do advocacy with the federal government, and um, they recently filed a brief, a legal brief in one of our cases in Boise, Idaho, and they said it should be uncontroversial that punishing conduct that is universal and unavoidable, consequence of being human, it, it, okay, let me try this again. It should be uncontroversial that punishing conduct that is a universal and unavoidable consequence of being human violates the Eighth Amendment. Sleeping is a life-sustaining activity. It must occur at some time, some place. If a person literally has nowhere else to go, then enforcement of the anti-camping ordinance against that person criminalizes her for being homeless. The Bell case dismissed on standing grounds but appealed to the Ninth Court's so my background is, you know, um, development and communications. Um, but this statement of brief in our case has had a positive impact across the country. So basically, the Department of Justice said it is unconstitutional to criminalize homelessness. And so, you know, our attorneys are using this, this information and what the federal government is saying at the local level to say this is not okay. If you don't have a place for people to sleep, then you can't arrest them just for
There's no evidence that sit-lie laws improve economic activity in a community. So people are saying, oh, this will improve the, the economic activity going on if people aren't sleeping and lying here, but there's no evidence to prove that. And it's very costly to implement and enforce these laws that I'm talking about. So um, it wastes Oh, 
take my information down. Um, you know, our reports are available on the website. I talked about our, our big criminalization report that came out. Um, we have another one that's coming out this fall that will have updated information, updated dates. Um, and you can join this campaign. We have four different committees. We have um, a litigation committee for if, you, if anyone, you know, is familiar with litigation and maybe is an attorney or knows an attorney that might want to join. We have um, a communications committee. I serve on that committee, which is helping to communicate the effort about the campaign to people. We have an advocacy um, area where we're advocating for these laws and The mayor is uh, trying to have ho uh, housing for homeless in all the wards. I would be, there's always this contentious thing, not in my backyard, mm -hmm. and especially in Ward 3, which is very affluent. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see where in Ward 3 right. this homeless housing is going to happen. That's a great Probably point. Does anyone here want to comment on that? Well, we were told last week they were just going to get rid of Great Western. What? Yeah, McLean Gardens. Mm-hmm. There's a police station there. Mm -hmm. um, there's some issues in terms of where the police cars would end up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Call me up when you find I guess it, no, I guess not the question for ourselves. You know, we're, we're supporting That's a great question. So it's like, what's the burden on your heart to help people? And you know, maybe some people, like I shared at the beginning, that I um, I feel like this has been something in my life that I feel strongly to do something about. And maybe other people feel that way. Some people feel to help this family. Some people may feel burdened to, to help someone with homelessness. And so, you know, I would suggest calling a local nonprofit. So I don't know if that was something that happened. That's one option. You know, there's a lot of options. I mean, I don't know the full situation and all the details of everything that happened. You know, so, so I can't really speak to that particular situation. But especially, you know, when it's cold outside, um, you know, there, are, there is help. There are lines that you can call for help. The woman who spoke last, this is just a reminder that the woman who spoke last week urged us to write our council person, Mary Che, because it will be it will be coming before the council very soon. And to write her our support for the homeless activities in Ward 3. Yeah, so that's a great point. So I hear a lot of different comments of people that are, are interested in thinking about, you know, what can I do? Maybe I want to write my, my, my congressperson. Maybe I want to write, you know, city council. I guess no congressperson here, sorry. <laughs> 
Um, yes. We also have a, a specific program in the church itself for people to walk in with clothes and some food and helping with uh, electronics and cards. <coughs> and this mother was taking care of the uh, Christmas program. That's great. Shaking their head that they familiar with that. You mean to help people? So, um, to be honest, we're a national organization, so I'm probably not as familiar as some people are with the kind of what's the the policy in each place. I know there's a right to shelter in DC, which is which is a which is a good thing, which means basically like, and not every place in the country has that. It means like people have a right to have a place to sleep. And so in some places, you know, I talked about how in, in um, some places where they criminalize homelessness and they make it um, illegal just when for someone sleeping outside. In D.C., the policy is a little bit better. So we've been working on a homeless bill of rights in D.C., but um, our attorneys have been helping with that. So it is a little bit better in D.C. than it is in some areas of the country. But we know, we were talking about this before it starts, we have a lot of homeless people, you know, that were in D.C. general and, you know, it was really bad conditions. And so what can we do? I do want to say that some of the people that have come into, and you all are probably following this closer than I am, but some of the people that have come into the D.C. to help with some of these issues and homelessness came from places that we know. Like, um, Laura Zeilinger, um, you know, she was previously working at the federal level on homeless issues and now she's here in D.C. So you're fortunate to have someone who's very capable in that way. There was another comment in the back. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I mean, I can tell you a story about that, someone that I know personally. She, um, you know, 
she looks like me. When you see her, she looks like me. And um, she was sleep. She actually um, engaged in illegal activity, which was sleeping in a church at the National Cathedral without anybody knowing about it. And um, she um, basically could not stay in a shelter because her asthma was so bad and the condition, the health condition for her was so bad that she would get really sick when she would go to the shelter. So, you know, nobody really wants to sleep on the street. Like, and I shouldn't say nobody, but a very small percentage of people are like, yes, I really want to sleep on the street. It's just that there's no healthy alternative for them, you know, for whatever reason. You know, different places are different, pla are different. But in Montgomery County, our shelter was really good. It was a very nice shelter. When I went to, to CCNV a couple of years ago, um, the shelter downtown, I cried. Like, I, I cried. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, it, it just hurt my heart that I saw it and the conditions were challenging there. You know, and so um, in some cases, there is theft. There is, you know, you know it's hard for certain people um, in certain environments that are picked on, so it's it's different in every place. But there, that is the case, and sometimes. That's a great question. It varies from place to place, and it varies on how they're handling it. So you know, you mentioned Utah, and Utah does get a lot of credit for for doing some things right. You know, um, but. LA, California, there's a lot of homelessness there. It is very bad. And also, um, New York is very bad. I mean, it's not warm there, but it's still, there's a lot of homelessness. Florida is very bad, and their policies are terrible. So, you know, every situation is a little bit different. Washington State, there's a lot of problems with youth homelessness in Washington State. Um, so it really varies from place to place. I mean, I'm encouraged that people here are saying, you know, Panera is doing something right. Right, you know, you're, talk to your local politicians. You know, what can I do? Can I volunteer at, at the church in their program here? I mean, I think these are all things that we can do. We can all do our part. And sometimes it's overwhelming. You know, how do we help so many people that need help? Um, but always, like I said before, probably we can always pray. You know, that's always something that I do. Yes, great, great point. Great point. So shelters, you know, the goal really for most homeless experts, for most people who study this type of work, is to have it be brief. You know, you briefly come into a homeless shelter, and then you get out to whatever the system is that you need. So if you need housing first, then that person, like maybe somebody has a chronic mental illness, and that person may never work. You know, it, it's a case that in some people, that's the case. Other people, maybe they just need a little bit of help, and they're able to work. When I worked at, at uh, Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless, our program people worked, and they gave 30% of their income towards housing you know, at the, at, the, at the place at the Montgomery County Coalition for the Homeless. It's, you know, a lot of homeless people work. A lot of people don't realize that, that 40% of all homeless people work, you know. So the problem is, you know, people are not able to afford where to live, and there's not enough housing for them. So the goal of the shelter is just a really temporary process. The permanent housing, you know, the goal for that is how do we create more affordable housing for people? Sometimes it's housing first. Sometimes it's just more affordable housing, 
period. You know, some people are able to live on their own. At MCCH, we had that as well. The Interfaith Conference, uh, every two years, publishes a directory of all the services that are available, and they print 7,500 of these and send them to all the churches and synagogues and nonprofit groups so they know what the resources are. And that, for the first time this year, is now online so that anybody can access it uh, and know here's where you can send somebody to get health care or food or shelter. Mr. White, I'm so glad you brought that up because this goes back to the earlier question about what do you do when someone asks for money. You can have stacks of that information with you that shows the services. You know, that's something I used to do when I was at Samaritan Ministry. Now, the way I would do it is I would say, would you be interested in learning more about the resources in the area? And they may already know the resources, but it gives you that op opportunity to engage with somebody in a respectful way that's, you know, it's not patronizing, it's not, you know, but it, it, you can get to make your own decision about whether or not you give the money, but you can give them information. Final questions, comments? No. Well, when I was working here in Sterling, Utah, there was a friend in there um, saying he had a need for handouts. Yeah. And our, our program was on there, too. Perfect. I don't know if they're still doing it. Yeah. 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 That's probably even better, because it has your church in it. Yes, in the back. I know we have to wrap up. You can put that form on your website and more people could see that. We have a church. You have a church website, yeah. Right. Yeah. And those classes are on the website. So who's going to do that? Oh, you're going to do that? <laughs> excellent, excellent. Good. Well, I thank you all so much for your interest. Um, I know that we have to stop, but you're welcome to come and talk to me after. And I'm really encouraged. It really um, made my day. It really touched my heart that you all are so interested. So thank you. Thank you.